weird. <laughs> I already messed up. <laughs> Hi, I'm Queen V. And I'm Dr. E. Queen V, what is our audacious story for today? And who will be our audacious guest for today? Dr. E, as you know, we have a phenomenal friend in the house to A to B podcast. And she is absolutely audaciously phenomenal. And we are speaking of Dr. Carolyn TLC. And she is a triple threat, meaning she is a pastor, a psychologist, and a podcaster that hosts her own incredible uh, podcast, Sacred Intelligence. So we are just so blessed to have her wealth of wisdom and her audacious story today. All right. So, um, Dr. TLC, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first and foremost, thank you to, to each one of you, really. I am so delighted to be a guest on your show because you're such powerhouses. And I will just briefly uh, just tell your audience, I am a licensed psychologist that's been practicing for over two decades. I am an ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church. In fact, I, I pastor a church as well. And um, I do coaching around dismantling racism and coaching around manifesting your greatness into the world, because I believe that we all have a purpose. And um, also, I'm the host of my uh, show, Dismantling Racism, where we talk a lot about sacred intelligence, which is really our ability to go inward, to tap into that divine part of us that helps us to make really good choices that are going to manifest our greatness and the greatness of others as well. You know, Dr. TLC, I was on your show and I was delighted that I got a chance to really talk about dismantling racism and what that really meant to me in the area of academia. And so I thank you for giving me that opportunity uh, to, to just really have a heartfelt conversation about something that's so important in this world. So I want to thank you. Mm, you're welcome. You're welcome. Absolutely. I concur. And I was able through, of course, the connection with my sissy, Dr. E and Dr. TLC to be interviewed as well. And you know, your topic is so amazing, but I, I love to hear about the woman behind the topic because I believe there is so much to the audacity of being who you are. What would you say is the major keynote of your journey into being audaciously authentic mm -hmm. and amazing? You know, when I think about this word audacious, I think of it as being something lifelong, to be quite honest, because I had no intentions of doing a show, a radio show on dismantling racism. But, you know, the journey has been a significant one. So if I could just go back just a little bit into my, my own story. When I became a psychologist, I really, really believe that I was doing God's work because when you're working with other people around their mental health issues and all these other, um, other issues, because I think everybody needs a psychologist, I really believed I was serving God. And then God called me to do this work of pastoring a church. 
And at the time I had uh, two toddlers, I had a full-time job and a private practice. And I thought God was really funny. And, I, and truthfully, I knew long before I ever accepted that God was calling me. So at any rate, um, on the day that I was, was called or accepted this calling, if I could just give you a little of that background, I was sitting at a women's conference and this pastor was preaching, can you hear me now? And it was like, God just kept saying, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And so I was like, yes, 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 yes. So long story short, after going in her office and sobbing, 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 how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Um, I realized that despite having the two children, the full-time job, part-time job, and a husband, that I needed to go ahead and go to divinity school. And I could not understand what did God want to do with me? Because again, I'm already serving God. And she simply asked when I went to this woman, she said, but what does God want to do with you with a divinity degree, with an ordination that God isn't able to do right now with you? And so I moved forward and took that on. Now you have to understand that taking it on with everything that I did was already enough, but I also took it on with someone who didn't have the same mindset as I. My husband thought, I'm marrying this woman with a PhD. We're ready to settle in for the rest of our lives. And it didn't turn out like that. And, uh, you know, so I've had to have some audacious steps in between, you know, figuring out uh, is the work around the wounds of religion, which I'm passionate about. God, is that why you called me? And taking bold steps to do work on that. Um, and also the woman behind all of this ended up going through um, separation from her husband. So I'm no longer with him even after the journey, after accepting that I am going to take this call, God. And I share that particular story with you because when the decision came, and this is so important for women out there who have children who are working or perhaps like me working part-time who say, I can't leave this relationship that's no longer serving my best interests we can do it. At the time that the two of us made the decision that, or really rather I made the decision that the relationship was over, I was working part-time at that point in my life. I was taking on a new business coach and I had a private practice. So what happened for me was I knew that I still had to leave because it was going to be the best thing for me and my children. So my audaciousness took me relying on my faith, mm. my faith in God to say, you can step out. And so what I decided to do was close down my private practice, you know, and start renting space from someone else and hiring that business coach at the same time and leaving that relationship at the same time. And you know what? it all worked out. I mean, there's so many moments I could tell you about because even having the private practice was an audacious moment, but I'm gonna pause because I could talk all day about the journey that I've been through because I think that even while I'm going through it, I sometimes just move through it and take it for granted because I, 
not granted, take it for faith is mm -hmm. what I take it for. But when I look back <laughs> over my life, you know how the song says on how I got over, I see audaciousness moving all the way through that. Absolutely. I, oh, oh you, would you like to go, Queen V? Because I wanted to ask one little thing. Go ahead. Uh, you're, uh, what you're, when you're talking, it really reminds me of the, of the scripture, all things work together for the good for mm. those that love the Lord. And yeah. when I think about that, it, all things, meaning that it's, it's the good, the bad, the, the happy, the sad, the, it's everything, it's all things. And sometimes when we're going through things, we say, no, well, this cannot be good or it's not gonna work for good because I'm hurting right now or I'm in pain right now. So this cannot work for the good. But when we look back, just like you said, when you look back, all these things happening was working for the good because look at you now. You can you have a story. You have a testimony right now. So Queen V, I know you want to jump in there. <laughs> well, you know what? Her story in life is so phenomenal because I know that you are pastoring a church as well. And I pastored a church and I know that is no easy task. But do you feel that your pain really served your purpose in that you were able to be empathetic in a way that you could possibly not have been? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Because even as a therapist, what I was going through in, in my marriage at that particular time, it helped me to be a better therapist, just like having the kids helped me to be a better therapist. Because before I had kids, I was like, why aren't these parents doing what I'm telling them to do? I know this stuff works. And then when you have your kids, you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. So I feel like the experiences that I have had, you know, in my life, good, bad, or otherwise, makes me uh, better able to help others to understand the greatness that is inside of them and the resources that are available. Because if I could just back up one quick second, there's so many wonderful things that God has done in my life that, that even when I'm going through the pain, I know that there's another side. I know that this too shall pass. And so when I got my private practice, because this is a phenomenal story that I need to tell people. I remember when I was done with divinity school and I'm like, okay, what now God? And so I worked with this gentleman in his private practice and he wanted me to take over, but I really wasn't interested in taking over his private practice. And so someone came to me who wanted to work under me. And she told me about this facility where I could have my own practice, where I didn't have to rent from anyone else. And I thought, no, 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 I'm not sure I want to do that. But anyway, she said to me, well, my mother says that she would be a private investor if you'd like to do that. Now I share that with you because that's not even the shouting part just yet. So I go and I look at this phenomenal space and it's full of furniture. And the people who were renting the space said, we have to close down our nonprofit. Tell us what parts, what, which pieces of furniture you want and we'll put posters on it. So I came back with a list of the furniture that I wanted. And she says, well, our board met and our board said, you have to take it all lock, stock, and barrel. Now, there were about four or five different offices within that office. 
So when I tell you my office was fully furnished, I've got a couple other things to make it my style, but for $1,200 fully furnished with supplies. And this woman also gave me an incredible loan to start my business, a white woman. And I share that because you have to be open to the resources that are available to you. And you have to trust in your own audaciousness that God has already put down within you, right? And so God is saying, it's right there for you. I'm creating a path for you. You All you have to do is say yes. And so I share that because I could have stayed in this place of, hey, you know, I, I don't have enough money to do that. But when we say yes, the pathway opens for us. So I just want to say to all of your listeners, be bold. God's already got it solved for you. Oh, I love that. I believe that God blesses those that dare greatly. And that is our definition of audacity. Those that dare greatly, because if we could see the whole path, it wouldn't require faith, right? right. We have all the money, all the resources, all the connections. But I love that you are, like I said, such a force of nature. Now, what lessons have you learned personally that have impacted your life from your guests? Because I know you have, you know, interviewed tons of people. What surprising insights did you glean from your guests? You know what? I, I, I would say the insights are also reminders. Reminders of the tenacity that it takes to keep fighting for what you want to fight for. Like when each of you were on my show and just talking about what you went through in terms of dismantling racism, just, just looking at the resilience and the tenacity and the faith. And so for me, when I have a guest on the show, even if there are things that I've been through or things that I teach, it helps to reinforce me and it helps me to mount up on wings like eagles, right? Because we have those resources undergirded. Um, but I know that there are phenomenal people out here doing phenomenal work and that we are each called for a particular time and space. And so my guests are constantly reminding me of that in the work that, that each of them who, who've been on the show, um, they've, they've taught me that. They, they keep saying we have to keep doing what we're called to do in this time and space. That's powerful. So Dr. Dr. Um, Carolyn, I, if I were to follow you 24 hours in a day, or just anybody, what would be the surprising thing that they would learn about you? Well, <laughs> what, one of the things I think that they would learn is that first and foremost, I love to have fun. Sometimes I, people might see me and they think that I'm this serious person all the time. No, I'm not a serious person all the time. I love, 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 love to dance. And I do, you know, I, I love um, one of my favorite musicals is um, The Sound of Music. So you might just see me singing The Sound of Music a lot around the house. And I also use it as a de-stressor, you know, to, I had an incident to happen to me recently where I just wanted to scream, but instead I just put the sound of music on and did the do-re-mi song and I could 
And I'm not a singer, but when the privacy of your own home, you could do that. And so, so, so things like that in terms of simply enjoying myself, resting in myself, honoring who I am. Uh, I think that people would be surprised maybe if they see me playing with, with my dog and loving up on, on my dog. And, um, and, you know, of, of course I have children, so I'm engaged with them. They're grown children now, but engaged with them as much as I, I can be. But yeah, those are some of the things that I love that are probably not on people's radar. And I actually love country music too, even though I don't listen to it as often as I used to, but I love it. Okay. That's can you do some, some, some of the country Western dances too? Uh, no, I'm not so big on that. I stay with my own roots when, okay. I, uh, when, when, when I'm doing the dancing, okay. but, but it looks fun. Well, I love that. I love country music because I think they have the best lyrics in the world. You know, they do. Somebody did me wrong songs. <laughs> yes. Yes. You but know. you have to be careful with those lyrics sometimes because yeah. sometimes you, you, oh, you look around and you go, wait a minute, wait yeah, a minute. Yeah, they can be right. a little bit uh, abusive and everything. Yes. But where did you get the term sacred intelligence that you frequently use on your show, on your podcast, Dismantling Racism? Where did that knowledge of the sacred intelligence come from? Where is that rooted? It actually came from a very, very good friend um, who started out as a coach. Her name is Leslie Ingvis. When I finished divinity school and wondering, God, what, what are we doing with this? Um, and I knew that I wanted to start my practice after I decided I'm going to start the practice. I said to her, I want something that merges psychology and theology and the pastoring together. And she came back, interestingly enough, with three names. I don't even remember what the other two names were. I fell in love with sacred intelligence. And I have to tell you, you know how you do the little marketing to see if people like the name? The other people didn't like the name. The other people that I asked about it. And I said, well, that's okay, because I like the name. And I stayed with it. And that comes from your inner knowing. Mm -hmm. that divine wisdom, that sacred intelligence. And so when I, you know, I, I accepted that that was the name because it merges who I am. I love God. I love God, not religion. I want to be clear about that. I love God and I know what God has done in my life. And I also love helping people and helping people to make great choices for their lives and so already it was God planting the seed for that. And it just exploded uh, from that point with, with understanding when I had to define what it was, it was like going back into that inner knowing. And I wanna tell anybody that's listening is that if you are asked to do something that doesn't manifest your greatness, that's not God, that's not divine wisdom, that's not sacred intelligence, mm -hmm. that's your other stuff playing in your mind and whatever those other people are out there trying to control you. The divine, the sacred would never ever tell you to do something that's not going to manifest your greatness and the greatness of others. You see, because it can't be just about me manifesting my greatness and not being concerned about others. But when we have sacred intelligence, 
We're careful what we do to ourselves. We careful, we're careful about what we allow other people to do to us. And we are careful about what we do to other people. So that's what sacred intelligence is all about. I absolutely love that. And I love that you delve with the wounds of religion because I adamantly am not a fan of religion. I believe religion is man's way of seeking God rather than relationship, which is God's way of seeking after us. And I know that so many people have been abused with be it sexual inappropriateness and all kinds of things. But how do you address that with both your practice and your profession? Um, you know, or mm. I should say your confession of being a pastor. How yeah. does that work for you? I, I actually call it out. And um, anybody who's a part of, of the congregation that I serve, I'm very clear about what my beliefs are. Um, I always tell people, and this is what I talk about actually in my book on sacred intelligence. My mission is to help people to know two things. And that is that they are loved unconditionally because there are no parameters for how much God loves us and that they are divinely created. And if folks understand that message, then they would understand this idea of how we allow other people to treat us and how we are to treat other people. So in my profession, I'm always talking about that. And my profession, my vocation are those two things that I call pastology, right? The merging of those two things. And so I'm very consistent in my message. When I talk about dismantling racism, when I offer courses on dismantling racism, it always comes from a place of love. Doesn't mean that we don't deal with the trauma of racism, the trauma of wounds of religion, but it has to come from this place of our shared humanity. And once we are able to do that, then there isn't separating people based on gender or sexuality or other isms. I mean, Queen V, you know that we wouldn't be pastors in a church if we just decided that, you know, we're going to believe what other folks say around their own ideas and ideology about religion. So just showing up in my calling is a way that I'm dealing with um, the the wounds of religion. Um, I will also tell you, I'm in a place where there are times I go into settings where male pastors act as if I'm not even there. But you know what? That's okay because I'm going to show up the way I show up. And then I'll often hear people say things like, oh, um, so-and-so said they were intimidated by you when they were on a panel with you. Well, that's your stuff. I can't get caught up in that. So that's how I move through the world, confident in who God has called me to be. Because when I let my light shine, I don't have to dim it for anybody. And that's what I really want your listeners to know. Don't dim your light for anybody because if I let my light shine, then everybody else who's coming along with me know, oh, wow, I can let my light shine too. And I think that as women, sometimes we've been in this place. Well, let me speak personally. You know, I've gone into settings where I'll say, you know what, you don't need to call me doctor or people in here don't have to let, you don't have to let them know that. But the people who are introducing me are so proud and they want to say doctor. 
And my father taught me an important lesson was them calling you doctor isn't about you. They're called, the, the idea is you should be called doctor so that other people will say, if she did it, mm. I can do it. And so that's the thing that helps me to stay grounded and it helps me to stay faithful to who God calls me to be. So Dr. Uh, Carolyn, um, you've mentioned a lot of things about how you, you really protect your mind, body, and spirit. But in terms of your, your personal sacred uh, space, in terms of refueling and re-energizing, uh, how do you keep people out of that, that space that are negative, that may wanna come in and, and really influence you? Because I know that there are many, many listeners that they, their intentions on a day-to-day -day basis is to do the right thing, be about the right thing, do whatever they can to keep building others. But then there are the naysayers out there that that's there to kill, still and destroy your peace, your happiness, your your everything. How do you protect your space, keeping the negativity out? It's called boundaries. Okay. So for me, when there are people around me who are negative, I have to figure out how to cut those ties. I don't I don't have to pick up the phone when they call. I don't even have to respond when they're being negative. What I have to do is say, who is God calling me to be? Mm. And so a question I often ask myself is, is, do I want to live to my highest level of consciousness today? And that allows me to figure out, am I going to respond to that negativity? Now, that doesn't mean I don't have a moment. Mm. I might have a girlfriend or a male friend or somebody I'll call and go, you know, can you believe blah, 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 just for the moment, right? Because I'm not a perfect being. And then I say, why did that person show up for me? What were they meant to teach me? Even if it's about how I am supposed to respond, you see, because when I make it about what God is doing in me, rather than about them, it helps me to move forward. So I would say to the listeners, have your boundaries, and then ask, what does this have to do with me? Because we don't need to make it personal what they're doing. Because other people, whatever they're doing is about them. And I also protect my, my space. I take my Fridays off. Um, don't call me on a Friday. The church knows. It's in the bulletin. Do not call pastor <laughs> on a Friday unless it's an emergency. So I just set the parameters for myself, and I try to honor those. Excellent. I do the same thing um, as a professor. I, I tell my students on weekends, we're talking about Saturdays and Sundays. If you should text me, email me or anything else, I promise I'll get back to you on Monday or Tuesday, but not on, on Friday, excuse me, not on Saturday or Sunday at 2 a.m. Oftentimes people think because of technology, they, they may have an epiphany and uh, decide, oh, I'm just going to uh, contact my professor at 3 a.m. And I think that this is a good time. We could talk or whatever. It's like, excuse me. No, uh, you're right. You have to set your boundaries. Having said that, I think it's time for us to get ready to wrap it up. But Queen V, what, what other uh, question that uh, would you have for uh, Dr. Carolyn before we wrap it up and let her have the final words? Well, Dr. Carolyn, I love that even with the uh, 
dismantling racism that you don't make it personal. It's not an us or versus them. It is a construct of the society that we live in. And being in that space, you're able to still be very inclusive of everyone. And I love that because as you know, when I went home to Kentucky and the whole story that we had on my interview, I was expecting to have an adversarial relationship <laughs> with the people that brought our land. And as it turned out, they turned out to be allies and really wonderful people. So what would you say should be the mindset for us in dismantling racism, but not dismantling people? Mm. I would say uh, to have the goal of healing and reconciliation and being a bridge. So don't assume that people are going to respond to you in a certain manner. Go into it really knowing who you are and what your goals are and keep those things in mind. People, I find that, that many people want to learn and many people want to help but they're so busy feeling guilty and ashamed. And we can't go into those situations, making them feel that way or not. They get to choose their feelings. Yes. But, but reinforcing that. And so I would just say, go in with a mindset of healing. Wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Wow. This was amazing. I mean, this time just rolled by so fast. We're going to have to have you back uh, Dr. Terrell, and because we got to keep unpacking a lot of that good information that you're sharing uh, with our listening and viewing audiences. It's just amazing that you're unpacking so much. We want to thank you so much for uh, visiting with us today. And Queen V, what do you have to say as our last final moments? Again, I want to concur with you, Dr. E. Thank you so much, Dr. Terrellyn TLC. You can find her on Dismantling Racism, and you'll hear all about our sacred intelligence. You can find us on QueenBeeAndDrE.com. We are on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, pretty much we are there. Thank you for joining us. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we will see you on our next podcast. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Queen B and Dr. E, we got audacity to believe, to believe, yeah. We got audacity to believe, to believe. Queen B and Dr. E.